Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. What up, Clitorati? We're back. We got some cocks in the room because today we are talking about masculinity. Um, So masculinity, that word has gone on a roller coaster over the past few decades and from being something regulated 100% to men in the 70s to something that women are accused of being too much of in the 80s to today's gender fluid millennial mishmash. We're here in the studio with a group of absolutely stellar men. I'm going to call you cocks, though, because this is clip talk. Um, <laughs> to discuss their personal take on masculinity, the good, the bad, and the buff. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, all right, so I'd like to welcome back to the studio. We have again with us Mr. Malachi. Woo! And again, we have the ever insatiable, always lickable Nick and Pierre. Hello. Thank you. Hello. I want to wash my thong on your ass. Can we do that later? Okay. Anyways. Cool. <laughs> Pierre's like, that's actually happened to me once. So weird. Um, like, we, you were there last week? <laughs> was that you? <laughs> um, we have we have Andrew back in the studio. <laughs> also has very nice abs. Sorry, not as nice as theirs. And, <laughs> <laughs> but but he's got amazing he's got amazing shoulders though damn straight uh, damn straight yes. and a beautiful face he looks mm. like Clark Kent oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right and of course my father is back in the oh. studio Yay. Yay. so proud of you honey <laughs> uh. thanks for being on clit talk dad um, and to hold down the the pussy end of the uh, studio we have back in the studio thus we have Rachel Yay. and of course Sugar and myself I'm Lindsay thank you all for being here let's talk about cocks I mean masculinity okay so anyways um, I want to start off with what do you think of when you hear the word masculine <clears throat> toxic hair <laughs> <laughs> Hair. You think hair is masculine? Okay. (laughs) Taking charge. Mm. Energy and drive. Yeah, power. Power. Yeah. 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 What about you, Rachel? Domination. Mm. Sugar. There's like a million words that are like I can't even be with the word uh, enough. Like honestly, enough. Yeah. We have a really interesting kind of. A story with this as well, which I'm sure you'll get into. So um, let's let's dig a little deeper into this conversation, okay? So do you experience yourself being a mix of both masculine and feminine? I'm actually here. I mean, so we did a, just so, just so you gentlemen know, we did a femininity episode. So I'm really interested to hear the counterpart to some of these questions because we asked ourselves these exact same questions. So yeah, so I want to know, do you experience yourself being a mix of masculine and feminine and like let's let's dig into that a little bit what what's there for you when you hear that question i I would say yes i mean i think all of us have both energies within us i think really it's 
it's almost like a, what's your what's your dominant flavor, right? Like you can meet men who have a particularly like feminine energy. You can meet men with a very masculine energy, and you can, same thing. You meet women who have very masculine energy or very feminine energy. So I think we all have both, and then it's just like where is your, you know, where are you on that that sort of gradient? Yeah, I'd like to kind of double down on what Andrew said. I mean, when I was. <laughs> Well, I can say that. You I didn't, say, totally I didn't say I want to double down I on Andrew. I said I could double down on what, what Andrew said. Come on, give me a break. I don't even know this man who's in the studio right now who calls himself my father. No, but you know, I mean, when I was growing up, there were certain images of what a masculine man, you know, John Wayne, things like that. That's what a masculine man was. And that's how kids were, were grown up, and that's how men were treated. Today, I think a masculine man is a guy who can be in touch with his feelings, mm. who can cry, who can hold a baby, who can be okay with that stuff. And I like to think of myself as a blend of of, of masculine and feminine, and I think that's where the power is. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Amen. Preach. Well Bravo. Yeah. You're you're very masculine, Dad. Well you're so masculine. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, repeat the question. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> Are you too distracted by my amazing father? Yeah. No. So, so the, 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 that, the that, question... Those words kind of turned me on. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, it is, it is really no, cool. No, I mean, to hear a dad say that shit, oh, that so fucking is amazing. You know, I'm yeah. seriously, yes. coming from my dad, my dad is a piece of shit, you know? Mm. So, I, seriously, no, it means a lot from, like, a man that's at your age to be so woke, you know? You're very lucky, Lindsay. Yeah, you're very lucky, Lindsay. Well, he's got, he's got three daughters, and one of them has a podcast called Clit Talk. He that's has no amazing. choice. No, that's I'm just kidding. Right. No, you are very woke, and that yeah. I think that actually has a lot to do with why who I am who yeah. I am. Absolutely. My parents are next level. I, yeah. I know that they are not your average mom and dad. Like, mm-hmm. they literally know everything about me. So, yeah, you are, you're a woke dad. Do you even know what that means? What? No. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I was sleeping. Yeah, tell yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> you about to cry? That's so masculine of you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I do. Look, years ago, I used to cry. What was that show? Uh, with all the Which people, show lo- people would lose the weight. <laughs> Oh, uh, the biggest loser! Oh God, I, I was always weeping. Oh my God, the I biggest love. loser. Oh yeah, I was. they would laugh at me. Oh my God, <laughs> I love that. Well, I, think I, I actually really love what you said because, and I echo your point about hearing like a, a, a man from a generation or two ahead of us to oh, say dude, these things. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but a man from an older generation to say that because like that was never what we were raised with. Like I, I remember exactly. like thinking, uh, having like a professor ask, ask me, I had really intense papers about this stuff in this class I took in college about just like your weaknesses and your role models and like what models were you given growing up, et cetera, et cetera. And all the, everything you were just saying is spot on. Like weakness, like to show anything other than like strength was weak, right? To cry was weak. To, to, sh- to be vulnerable was weak. Um, I mean, like the sort of the tropes go on and on, but like all of it really was just like, I mean, I think really you can look at it as like layers of fear and, and defense mechanisms. Right. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that, um, you know, the, the way men have been raised has changed dramatically, mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple hundred years, uh, really since the industrial revolution, the way men have been raised has changed tremendously since the industrial revolution, because before that pretty much for all time, as far as we know, men were raised by men. Men were brought up with men by men all the time. And so they saw the full spectrum of humanity and masculinity. And then there was a point where all the men went off to work and all the boys were left with the moms. And there wasn't a whole lot of men around to guide them. And that hasn't changed. 
Mm-hmm. And so if you want to jump forward at whatever is 180 years or something, uh, we still have a crisis of this. We have a, a, a society of, I can't remember what the phrase is, but it's something like suspended adolescence. Like there's a lot of boys running around or teenagers running around masquerading as men. They're just older and physically bigger. But maturity wise, they're still like 16. Right, because they never went through those rites of passage. They were never made like it takes men to initiate men into manhood the same way it takes a woman to initiate a girl into womanhood. And a lot of that stuff has gone out of the cultures of the world. Wow. Pretty so deep. that's that is really deep. I'm kind of like, whoa. <laughs> You're woke too, Andrew. <laughs> I think I read too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, no but you actually thing. but you brought but as you were as you were sharing it actually brought something up for me, like dad. How did you become woke? Because I know, because I'm your daughter, that is not like you were raised. Let's talk about your childhood a little bit. How did how did you like talk about where you came from to how you did get to this place? Okay, I will, but then I don't want to take time out from everybody else. No. Um, I grew up back east uh, in, near DC. Um, my father was a businessman. I had older brothers; they were business people. Uh, there was there was not a lot of feeling. Uh, expressed. My mother was a great lady. She died uh, when I was like 20. So I didn't have a whole lot of experience uh, with her. Um, but it was interesting when, when we were at my brother's uh, recently, my, my wife said, uh, uh, what do you remember about David when he was little? Because they were a lot older than me. And he said, nothing. Doesn't remember, doesn't mm. remember anything. So that's kind of how I grew up. You could look upon that as poor me, or you could look upon that as, isn't that cool? The guy had a blank slate. And he could start and create anything he wanted. So I, I have been so lucky in the last 30 or 40 years to just do a lot of work in, uh, in the world of ontology, which is studying the humanness of human beings, why people do what they do. So I think I learned a lot of that from, from that. Uh, I think that's probably why I coach people. Um, I, I learn a lot about their behaviors. Um, and I think I'm lucky to have an amazing wife uh, who is just extraordinary. And then I have three daughters, none of whom would ever lose a fight. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Oh so, so, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Dad. I don't think he could raise three women and not be woke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's true. Yeah, that's Especially with who my mom is. She's been on the show before. Uh, yeah, give, her a lot of, give her a lot of credit for it. <laughs> but I think people can be oblivious for most of their lives. So I think a man could could not be woke and, and raise good people because they don't see, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Good point. They just mm-hmm. don't get it. I mean, I don't know what your relationship with your dad is, but my bet is he just doesn't get it. Yeah. Well, where do I begin with that? My <laughs> like my father. Um, so I was raised by my mother, and when I was, they went through a really bad divorce, and when I was like thirteen, was when I like cut him out of my life. And, um, my mom, like she was a strong woman. And so I was surrounded by strong women my entire life. My aunt was also gay. And so she was a strong lesbian. And so, and my grandmother was also around a lot. So I was just, I was kind of packed in between those three women. And then I also had a horrible example of what um, an adult male should be. And so, and he would put all of that masculine, and that's why I said toxic, because that's all I was given my entire life was like, you can't cry, you're too gay, you know, it's too feminine, you're too artistic, you need to play football, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, 
you know, when I hear masculinity and now, it's like that's where my head goes. And when I hear, you know, people like you say those things, it's it's very attractive for anybody to be that aware when I've never seen that, you know? And so that's like now, especially like where I come from as a person and I and how I express myself. Like, yeah, I have a very physically masculine build, but I love expressing myself in a really feminine way because I like there's some, I don't like be I don't like the boundaries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm very fluid in that. Like, I love I just love being me. But that's because I've I never succumbs to I have to be this way do you know what I mean like I have to Mm -hmm. be masculine Mm -hmm. I have to be a boy you know what I mean I was just like I'll do whatever the fuck I want and people will love it and and that's just what I do well yeah I think you touch on something that I actually want all of us to talk about which is like toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity right so I want to know have have any of you ever been hurt by societies or your own personal standards around masculinity and have you ever have each of you ever experienced like a, a toxic masculinity and what was that like? Well, you just you, uh, yeah. yeah, you just shared. <laughs> what what is the definition of toxic masculinity? So uh, it's the psycho the psychology. Toxic masculinity refers to traditional culture, masculine norms that can be harmful to men, women, and society overall. So this concept of toxic masculinity is not intended to demonize men or male attributes, but rather to empathize the harmful effects of conformity to a certain traditional, like the certain traditional masculine ideals. Yeah. Yeah, well, me at school, for example, I was very young um, and I just was being who I am. And already there was this way you should be if you were a little boy, you know, you should dress a certain way. You shouldn't move your hands that much or like, you know, tilt your head a little or speak with a high voice. It's, and it's just like when kids get it very quickly and it just reproduce what they fathers uh, and parents tell them or show them as an example and if you don't you know it's the perfect copy of that then you're different then something's wrong then okay you know I'm scared of you that you're not who you should be and then the difference is like you know you know they start bullying you because um, many negative things comes out of that that you seem different you Mm -hmm. know and uh, and that's because of the idea. the the idea of masculinity that you should be. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was in school, like this idea of masculinity hurt me so bad, where I felt like I had to hide so many things about myself because they were pointed out as different. And we were talking about this the other day. It was like one of the biggest things was like, I had really neat handwriting, but that's not masculine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But I would, and so I would purposely make my handwriting shitty, like because I felt like I had to hide, you know? Oh, or it was the fact, you know, or it was like, you know, the, the fact that I could draw really well. Or the fact that I was taking art classes. You know, even when my father, like he made me play football, I would wear an, like a really like, tight choker because like that was like me like I would always like express myself in that way but people would always point that out like he's like oh it's the, you know it's the fag on the team and like I kind of, that kind hot. of stuff <laughs> dude me too <laughs> but it's like that's what toxic masculinity is it's like it's conforming into a box that it, 
society or old society says you have to be that way and it doesn't allow young boys or young girls or queer boys or queer girls or trans people anybody to be who they actually are mm-hmm. you, know, you know it's making them think that they have to be this way or they're different and that difference is fucked up and you're not and you're not acceptable and that's mm-hmm. bad you know that's what I, I like as a kid that went through that I could see why people take their own life because of that reason. You know, why? Because yeah. they don't think they're enough. And when your parents don't think you're enough. Hey, hey Lindsay, let me add something to that. Yeah. I, in this context of toxic masculinity, I mean, I went to a military school in high school. I played football, but I also did theater. So I ended up having a lot of gay friends, and it was just easy. It was just sort of natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it all it all seemed to blend, and it seemed to work well. But I—, I and I— I found I spent so much time defending them against buttheads mm-hmm. just because they were just they were just being themselves they were being great it was wonderful uh, they're still great friends of mine uh and it was just wrong to treat them that way and uh yeah so that was that was yeah. your experience you felt like there was so much to- toxic masculinity from the other it side you just, felt you had well, to defend well there was a lot of there was enough you go damn that's just stupid and that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That's all. Yeah. But, you know, like, I just admire you for taking a stand yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that wasn't the norm, you know, no. back when you were growing up. <laughs> I know, probably not. Yeah. No. You know? No, but that's that, a true ally. You yes. Because when you're in a group, it's so hard to stand out. It's so hard mm-hmm. to be like, okay. And it's so easy I'm, to go with the crowd. So yeah. easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So I, I admire that person mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. against the grain, mm-hmm. against the crowd, exactly. stands up for what's right, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Start talking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's so many. This is such a deep issue, right? And I I think it's. I'm so sorry for what you what you experienced. But I mean, just I mean, that's it's just terrible. But it's it's uh, the thing is what it also reminds me of though is is I think toxic masculinity toxic masculinity. There we go. Tongue twister. It is. (laughs) Uh, At least the way you sort of set it up in this conversation, it's it's it really just I think it's like a subset of a larger issue that makes me just sad. It's just sort of like it's like immature. It's immature, undeveloped. It's like a fuck. What am I trying to say? It's a missing. Yeah, it is. It's like a. It's it's a. It's almost like an immature level of awareness or consciousness that then has no balance, right? Like you know, you look at the '80s and you see toxic masculinity run amok without any checks and balances, right? Like you can you can see kind of what happens when you have sort of an immature masculine energy set utterly free with no checks and balances on it. Like it doesn't work very well, right? That's an immature. Like to me, toxic masculinity is is immature masculinity. It's like yeah. arrested development. Yeah, like because like when I think about like the 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 men I really respect in my life, whether whether I have a close relationship with them or maybe they're just an acquaintance or maybe they're just someone who I, I look up to even if I don't know them. And there's a very like the men I respect, like they would never do that shit, right? Because they're mature, and it's mm-hmm. like it's an it's like so to me, toxic masculinity is an immature masculinity run amok. That's that's really what it, what it stands out to me, and I'm I'm very curious what it's like on on the feminine side. But you know, one of the things that's really interesting, uh, or not interesting, sad actually is the word, is that it, it it cuts it cuts both ways, right? Like everything you were just saying, I experienced too. Like feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like I was never enough. I mean, I had a hard driving father who I respect and I love we have very different ideas about like what, you know, how, how one should go about living your life. There's also a lot we share, 
but it goes both ways. You know, like I, I grew up with all the same complexes around like feeling utterly driven, like perfectionist tendencies, like I had to be perfect or I wasn't enough or I wasn't loved or accepted or blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it just goes both ways. And I think to the point you were making, like we have such a deep need as humans to belong. Like mm-hmm. it is deeply wired into us on every yeah, level yeah. there is. And so to go against it is like one of the most difficult things you can possibly imagine. And it sucks that people are forced into that bullshit choice i think yes. clit talk is now on patreon Woo-hoo. if you're a fan of our show and get value out of our podcast please consider becoming a patron there are so many ways we would love to expand the clit talk vampire like hosting community events creating inspirational videos and who knows maybe even someday go on tour patreon is a monthly subscription-based crowdfunding platform in exchange for your support we're going to offer you some super sexy VIP experiences. Like we promise you'll have an orgasm every day for the rest of your life. Um, no, sure. We can't promise them that. But we can promise exclusive behind-the-scenes content, private Patreon-only discussion groups, live monthly calls with our cast, and then some. Go to our website, clittalkshow.com, for more information. Hey there, Clitorati, it's Katie. So you all know I'm a nurse and Clit Talk for me is a health conversation. I really wanna take a minute to share a product with you that has made a huge difference in my life. Foria Wellness Awaken CBD Lubricant. Remember that. I use it multiple times per week, and this is coming from the woman who never used to masturbate. Not only has it enhanced my new masturbation lifestyle, it's eased the pain I used to have during sex, and my husband is super happy because our bedroom play is so much more fun. So, I personally reached out to Foria Wellness to see if they would partner with Clit Talk, and they were an overwhelming yes. So now, you can get a discount on their fabulous products by going to our brand new pleasure store at clittalkshow.com. All their products are there, and if you're interested in trying them out for yourself, use the discount code CLITTALK10 for 10% off your purchase. I can't recommend them enough, so do yourself a favor and get your pussy high. I want to just paint a little bit of a picture of the other side of the spectrum, so we're all talking about like our daddies. I don't want to bring up mine, who really wanted to be here tonight, by the way. Um, So I'm a girl as far as I can tell, and my whole life... my dad wanted a uh, son and he got me instead. And what that did, I mean, I came to find out actually halfway through my participation on Clit Talk, uh, my, my, my mother came on the show and shared it live on the air. It was the first time I ever heard it. And she was sharing that when I was coming, when I was being delivered in the delivery room, like they didn't know the sex of the baby. And then, so it was a surprise. And they announced like, you're having a girl. And my mom said, First words at her mouth was, I'm sorry to my dad. I know, right? And I had just learned about like programming of like when you're giving birth and like the whole idea of like silent birth and like all that, you know, kooky shit. And so I was thinking to myself, wow, I wonder how how far that ran true that my like I like first words that are born when I'm being born is I'm sorry. Follow like let's fast forward a couple of years. Like my at a very young age, I was like athletic and my dad really I think he accepted he was having a daughter, but he still wanted to interact with me in the way that he had wanted to with a son. So he was my coach, and he made me, like, really good at sports. And so fast forward a few more years, I'm, like, in seventh grade, I'm a baller basketball player. Okay, like, (laughs) creaming guys in my grade, like, MVP on co-ed teams, like— and there was a rumor going around school, middle school, that I was a lesbian because I played basketball and because I was really good, and I was, like, beating some of the guys— 
And I wasn't into guys yet. Like, I think I just got my period. I, like, maybe was, like, you know, definitely making out with my girlfriends, practicing kissing guys for when that was going to come. <laughs> but I hadn't actually done the act of kissing a guy yet. And I was always queer, by the way. So you guys don't really, you guys are getting to know me right now. What's up? Um, yeah. We're here. We're queer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, um, I actually think a part of that had a huge, a, a lot to do with, I was always uh, the boy with the girls when we were playing, like, um, like make, practicing making out as girls and stuff. Like I always played the boy and found myself to be like the boy in a lot of situations. And, um, Anyways, I just want to go to the toxic masculinity point. Seventh grade, when the rumor hit that I was a lesbian because I played basketball, and um, yeah, the fear of, of belong, like we want to belong. Like I think our fundamental fear is like being abandoned. Like I'm so afraid of being abandoned if I'm legit with it. Like if I call Lindsay and like she doesn't call me back and I think she's mad at me, like straight the fuck up. The thing that's there is like I don't want to be abandoned. Yeah, yeah I kind of yeah. freak out when like I think my friends are mad at me. I get like really weird and like don't leave me, don't leave me. Don't. Well, I think I think you you actually point to something, and I personally think that you have a phenomenal balance of both feminine and masculine now and then. Yes. But but that's something that I think you've had to to work at. And so I guess I this is a question for I guess anyone in the room who dates women. It's a specifically a question about have you ever dated a masculine woman and what was that experience like? Can I tell a funny story real quick? Yes. I dated a girl and I was I used to date girls and she my first legitimate girlfriend, she was queer. So she would always tell me like it's so much more attractive being open and like being yourself and like and she kind of introduced me to things that were queer, you know what I mean? And she wasn't necessarily masculine, but she was she allowed me to do that. And mm -hmm. so it was another woman that allowed me to be myself. And mm. so that's like why I always just like I revert to the feminine. I'm like there it's just a nurturing aspect of it all that you know. So that's my girlfriend story. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> yeah, what about what about All right, so I got one. So I'm pretty balanced too. I've gone from one side of the to the other and back again. And um what was your question specifically about? So the question the was for yeah, have you ever dated a masculine woman and what was that like? Okay, so it's it's very difficult because women want a masculine man at the end of the day, but some of them are not okay with letting go of being the masculine person in the, in a relationship. And when I swung all the way to being very feminized, because I was hanging out with a, a lot of women, like just they were my best friend. I wasn't the most alpha person, let's be honest. You know, like back in the day, I, I'm more alpha now, but back then I was kind of weak. I wasn't working out or anything. And um, it was difficult to date because they'd like me because they could run all over me, but then, then they stopped liking me because they could run all over me. Uh, yeah. So it never really lasted. Yeah. So now that I'm kind of more balanced, uh, the, the last girl that I dated, she allowed me to be the man. And she let go completely. And it was so much fun. And I, I really feel like I'm more masculine now because she allowed me to do that. Mm. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. I totally yeah. feel that so hard. It's like, mm -hmm. what it, I just want to like highlight something that you brought up, which is that it's... Um, just playing with the energy like so we get so boxed in like I am this I am more this way you were just pointing out like well why don't you just play with it one time and you know and 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 you know in this situation you kind of went into it with her like 
all right, like she's kind of this understanding here. And in that, regardless of staying together or not or whatever, you didn't even touch on that. What it left you with was it carried through, you know, and it carried through with you to whatever other interactions you go and do. And you can decide, did I like that, you know? And and like I think what I what I really take away from that is like we're in control of which we let we what we let lead. I think you said that earlier too, like what flavor are you leading with? And we all kind of can lead with like you know, maybe a little bit more of a of our masculine energy or a little bit more of our feminine energy. And to be able to choose to tap into that, hmm. um, depending on the person as well, right? Right, And meeting them with their energies, just kudos, man. Awesome. Right. What, about, what about you, Andrew and Dad? Have you ever dated a masculine woman? And what was that like? Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> I was going to tell you, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking of two, two women I've dated uh, came to mind. Very different experiences. Uh, one, so... To the thing about like what's your sort of dominant flavor there, I think I think it's sort of like you have a, if you think of it as like a gradient, right? Like where you could be a hundred percent masculine and zero percent feminine, or totally the other way, or some blend in between. Um, I think you know we probably all have, have like a home base on that on that gradient, right? Like I, if I had to guess for myself, I think I'm probably like 70, 70, 30 on the masculine side. And um, I think the reason that the reason I think of it that way that I think is it's it's useful to think of it that way is because I think you need that like. You, it's like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You need that pull. You need the different energies. So there's like a pull between you. And that, like in the first experience, I think of this one woman I dated, it just wasn't there. Like we had this amazing like mental chemistry. We had really cool conversations, but there was just like that, that like spark, that pull, that energy just wasn't there. And I remember like, and I broke it off with her after a little while. And then like a while later, I think you and I had a conversation yeah. about this. Lindsay. I was like sitting there going like, what the what? Fuck, like, what? Like, what it was, was all, it? I was like, what was it? It was all like, it was all there. But then it was like, fuck, that was it. Like, her dominant energy was was, was more masculine. Yeah. And so there just wasn't that, like, that raw pull, that raw attraction, which, is, at least for me, is necessary. So yeah. that was like, that was one experience where I was like, damn it, this would have been so great. But that just wasn't, it just wasn't there. And like, that's who she is and that's who I am. And that just didn't work for me. Yeah, there, there there's a story. Like, one of my my girlfriends, she she says, you know, when I need something every once in a while, I'll go to my mom and I'll say, mom, I don't know what kind of microwave to get. And I was like, well, you could just Google it yourself. She goes and figure it out and do all the research. Like you're good at that stuff. And she said, I know, but sometimes I, I need to let my mom be a mom mm. and, mm-hmm. and, and help me. And I think that that's true for men too. Uh, women today are so self-sufficient and sometimes we need to let men be men. So I completely agree with that. I think it goes both ways. And, and the reason I say that is because society, like you talk, we've talked a lot in these conversations about like, what are the societal expectations of men and women? What are mm-hmm. the pressures? And there's so much, like I have, man, there is so much pressure on women, especially like professional women these days to like be all the things, be, right? all, be yeah. all the things, be like the great mom, be kick ass at your job, be a consummate professional, like everything every be a size two and give good head yeah all the things <laughs> like if you can imagine an expectation that, yeah exactly Jack I got some of those down and do it all by like five Sorry, without Dad. breaking a sweat by the way yeah right yeah and, right. and look, and look effortless amazing. all the time yeah. make it look easy right all, never let them see you sweat like all like holy shit that is that is like I feel like I have I, I don't know but I think that's probably breaking women's psyches in half uh, it, I don't think it's a good thing and so you know there's there's like that idea that Sugar was just talking about of like what energy are you leading with in a situation or with a person and I think there's 
you know, you, you're, you'll probably go with that. And that'll be fluid depending on the situation of the people as you, as, as you need. But when it comes, like, that's fine in, like, your professional life or your, like, your friendships. Or, but when it comes to, like, raw, like, relationships and, like, sexuality and, like, the energy of a relationship, that doesn't work, in my opinion. Like, then it reverts to you need a polarity there. Mm-hmm. And if one, if one partner is more masculine, just energetically, you need a more feminine. And then if they're closer to the middle, they can both be closer to the middle. So I think it's yeah. fine in your day-to-day life. But, like, if it's in the bedroom, that shit don't work. Yeah. No, I fucking mm-hmm. attest to this. Like, when I was, I actually, like, was a little bit more, a lot more masculine, I think. I think Clit Talk really turned me out in, in a lot of ways as a female. But I can attest to this. Like, a year ago, my husband was not as attractive attracted to me as he is now. And I think it has a lot to do with how masculine I was with him and it's so refreshing to just fucking chill and be a girl yeah no it's true I I literally I've had a very similar experience where I have actually had to kind of reteach myself to be feminine because I in so many situations I had to be in charge and I was with men most of the time so I had to relearn how to be I had to like almost relearn how to be feminine Feminine, again (laughs) you had to remember how to let go and be taken care of yes you know, I can totally relate to this. I don't know if I've done that one yet. <laughs> you will. I can totally relate to this conversation because I remember it took me a long time to actually connect with someone in a relationship. You know, through my high school years, I was very dominant. I had a big personality. And I, most of my, I was in the theater crowd. Most of my friends, my male friends were gay. And, you know, I had two of my gay male friends think that they had fallen in love with me. Because there was just something, you know, there there was something like really masculine and dominant about me. Now, obviously, those relationships weren't going to go anywhere sexually. And then that polarity that you talked about, Andrew, in my early 20s, I remember, again, attracting men that were more feminine, not actually gay at that time, but where there was, where we got along great and we had friend chemistry, but when it came to actual erotic energy, there just was nothing there, and it was so frustrating. And so then realizing that I can be dominant and powerful in life, but still be feminine in my romantic relationships was such a transformation to me. But there was, I spent a lot of years kind of battling against that and allowing myself to just like let go into my feminine, and that doesn't, you know, and and. Oh, so I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going. No, it's it's perfect because you you bring me to the next thing that I like really want to ask the guys. We're starting to talk about femininity. So, what are your personal favorite expressions of fem, fem of the feminine? You're gonna get us in trouble. No, no, no. I had a girlfriend that would cook me breakfast every morning, and like at first I irked me because I'm like, that's not her job. Like, that's not what women are for. Mm. But then when I just let her do that, it made both of us so happy. Mm. So That's that's sweet. How's that going to get you in trouble? I don't know, because, you know, make me a sandwich. Yeah. (laughs) 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 in the kitchen. (laughs) But those things come from somewhere, I think. But that's totally different because that was her... You know, maybe her love language is acts of service, right? So, right. like, you allowing her to do that was giving her something. It's not like you yeah. told her to do it. Yeah, she did it she every morning. So, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, there's nothing, it's not a coincidence. This is how she shows her love. Yeah. I mean, have you ever asked a girl for a blimpy? No, What's no, blimpy? I'm not. <laughs> What's a blimpy? I don't know. I'm thinking a blumpkin. It's like a blumpkin? Yeah. Oh, 
What's wrong with it? It's when you get a blowjob while you're pooping. While you're on the toilet. What? No, I've never done that. My father's I think that's just an urban dictionary thing. I don't think people really do that. People have done that. People have done everything. You can imagine it's happened. Okay, anyways, moving on from pumpkins. Well, Lindsay, you said it. You referenced it earlier, The Five Love Languages, which is a wonderful book. I use that a lot when I'm when I'm coaching my 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 people and the problem with the love language is we tend to love people the way we want to be loved rather than really learn and understand how they want to be loved and there are five very distinct ways to do it uh in answer to your question um i actually never dated anyone before your mother so <laughs> Yeah, he no. was married he was slick, before dude. my mom. No, I never, I never, I, <laughs> no, I never dated a masculine woman. The wonderful thing about your mother is she's a powerful woman. Now, I don't find her masculine. I just find her really powerful. Mm-hmm. And is that your favorite kind of feminine thing about her? Like she's femininely powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. Uh, actually, fairly similar to that. Like I think my my favorite. Thing, like there is an aspect of of the feminine that is just wild and unleashed that like when women like truly let go that is unmistakable and unforgettable what does that look like yeah it depends entirely on the situation give us an example yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah. come on let's get specific um Okay, so you know, I can think of like two the two places that it comes that I think of it is in uh, I think of it in like honestly, I think of it in like dance and like one of the first thing that comes to mind is actually dance. When I think of a woman like dancing and you can just see she is in another space and she has let go of all the stuff and she's just completely like completely unleashed. There is something so sexy and powerful about that. I love it. All right. There you have it, ladies. Agreed. <laughs> all right. I, I have something that just came up. I realize in hindsight, I've been trying to be my dad as a married man. Not my dad when he was single. And there's a completely different thing there. And once I realized that, I started talking to him like, you know, what was it like when you were single? And he, completely different person. You know, like as a married man, he's like, oh, yes, honey, what what do you need? What do you need? So I started doing that. But he was like, nah, you don't do that when you're single. I was like, why didn't you tell me that when I was single? You know? I feel like I need to have a conversation with my dad now. Yeah, see, yeah, it's complete two different people. You have to be two different people. Like as a single man, like you have to lead with the masculinity, but then as a married man, you don't lead with that. So a little bit of surrender. Yeah, would you agree with that, Dad? I think there is a courtship dance that we do when we're single, and if we're stupid, we forget it when we get married. Ooh, that's true. I think if we continue the dance and we continue to be lifelong learners, then then the marriage grows. I don't care if you're straight, gay, whatever. If you if you sit back and go, that's it, I'm done, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're done. Mm-hmm. Not in the good way. <laughs> not in the fun way. My favorite expression of the feminine, because you didn't fucking ask me and I want to say Yeah, one. and these guys got to say something yeah. too here, you know. All right. Is... Really, the like you were saying, the wild step part of a woman totally. I can't say that though because you already said it. So, like, the playful side of that, mm. the like inner child, little like girl in the playground, that little mischievous inner child being, you know, the one that's like, yeah, let's play dress up and 
like, you know, go pick all the ladybugs in the garden. Okay. What about you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, okay. For, for me, I feel like what makes me, like, I like, I don't know how to like put it in words really, but like women like you guys that this are. This is a talk show. <laughs> it's not, so femininity <laughs> is not words. exclusive to women specifically. Well, so, so wait, yeah. in myself or in, in so, women? So the question oh, simply was. What is your personal favorite expressions of feminine. of the feminine? Oh, of the feminine. Yeah, you go first. <laughs> okay. So that would be to me it would be hard to say because it would be a lot. Yeah. Because I love women. <laughs> I love it. I love it because uh, they inspire me. They really like their strength, their intuition, their power. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, um, their love. Their way of loving mm-hmm. that is so inspiring. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes to what you say is that they completely are in another world when they dance and when they fall in love as well. It's just they love in, in a dimension that I admire. And um, <laughs> it's true. I'm ready to start <laughs> crying. I'm not horny, but I know. I'm, I'm a little horny too. <laughs> <laughs> We're listening. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, telling you that, and also there, <laughs> and their forms, and their sex yeah. appeal, and their way of moving, and everything is like. I gotta say, I love the way that you love women. If all men could love women like that, the world would be oh. a better fucking place. <laughs> God, so we have to remember, for us, like women are allies. You know, mm. like they're the people we go to all the time, especially being gay. Like that's. Those are our friends, you know. So, yes. like, I feel like we nurture you guys in a in a higher way because absolutely, I have never met a woman who has been like who's judged me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've always been able to relate to a woman. I've mm-hmm. I can't. I mean, sorry for you guys, but I can't. I haven't been able to relate to many men. You know what I mean? But for women, yes, always. So it's like for me, and I think for you as well. You guys are like these higher beings you know because you gave us love and that's all we were looking for in the oh, beginning i don't know if we can sorry i don't know if we can come back to that conversation we had before but technically like uh men without testosterone are women mm-hmm. that's how we would actually evolve if oh, we didn't have so you're referencing that but so both of you guys you were sharing with us earlier that you both are on a medication that lowers your testosterone uh-huh. so yeah. that you can keep a beautiful luscious <laughs> Full head of hair, <laughs> and so that's that's what you're pointing to is that that men without testosterone are basically. It just was an interesting thing to think about, yeah. mm. you know. It's just like at first a man is a woman. I think if we thought about yeah, no, that more true. often, you're that would be. In, you're talking in about utero. in vitro, yeah. Yeah. in vitro, yes, exactly, yeah. So yeah, it's just a, an amount of testosterone. Yeah, everyone starts out like in utero. Every baby starts out as a woman. Exactly. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's fascinating. Kind we're of. all women at one point. Lindsay, are all your shows this good? I, I should <laughs> start paying more attention. Yeah, this is cool start listening. Shit. Maybe you should start <laughs> listening to the fucking podcast, Dad. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Just don't don't listen to the sex party episode. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, yeah, well, that's amazing. I feel like the. Uh other communities could learn a lot about women from the gay community. I just don't understand why women are not 
you know, looked at that way. Like they truly, like so cheesy, but they if do ever, run the world. If I ever you know? met a straight man that looked at women the way you oh guys look God. at women, I would marry him right now. <laughs> I'm not saying, yeah. you're saying you look at women like that? Do I not? I don't know. Ra- I Malachi and a- I are both a little offended. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, like I was going to say. I'd marry both of you. No, no, no. <laughs> it's nothing. It's, I'm, not, like, I'm not trying to, like, you know, I'm not shitting on straight people at all, but no, I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah, but we have a different, it's just like, we are connected to you in a we- in a, a weird totally. way. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. I know that. that's like weird. So I totally get yeah. that, and that's yes. beautiful. And I'm I'm teasing too. No, Andrew and Malachi, you are honestly two of the best <laughs> men I know. That's why I had you on the yes. show. Obviously, my dad is one of the best men I yes. know. That's why I had you on the show. Okay, now I'm gonna cry again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been such an extraordinary conversation, and I have I think a really cool way to to end it. So. What I want to do is kind of go round robin around the room, and I want all of us to share in one word. And you take a minute to think about this if you need to. What does healthy masculinity look like to you in one word? Your dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's two words, but we'll take it. Now I am going to cry. (laughs) That was good. Okay, okay fine. You can have up to five words. Okay, ask the question again. So the, <laughs> the, question is, the question is, what does healthy masculinity look like to you? And it's one word. Freedom. Hmm. Uh, vulnerability. I love the way you say it. It's so sexy. Vulnerability, I got it. Presence oh. and passion. Service. Being solution-oriented. Powerful vulnerability. Mm. (laughs) I think all of you embody what healthy masculinity. The word that kept coming to me was surrender. It is. I was going to say powerfully surrender, but then I realized like to surrender is the most powerful thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah, so my word is surrender. And with that, we love you, Clitorati. Thank you for being a part of this extraordinary conversation. We love you, and we will see you next Tuesday. Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe. But only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if we're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships and world peace and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, It's very much appreciated and thank you.